to live righteously. It is time for another episode of the Cultural Hall. The music would let you know it is an articles of news, and we're sorry. Listen, we've had things. There have been lots of things. There should have been an episode or two, but we haven't done it until now. We had holidays. I had a New Year's Eve that I'll, I'll likely never repeat ever again. And I'm joined by Mr. Mayor. How are you, sir? Good morning or evening or whenever anyone's listening to this. Good time of day to you. Good, 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 good morrow. I don't know. I don't I don't think it's morrow. I don't think morrow. I mean, maybe. I don't know. I mean, it's not tomorrow. Tomorrow means tomorrow, isn't sure, that? Sure. Isn't that why they used to say good morrow? So morrow means know. day. So good day. But you know, I've never looked it up, why? but I assume that must mean that. It's good morrow to you, sir. Uh, if I sound like I just woke up, it's because I did. Uh, I got that rich, that rich low tenor sort of voice this morning. That's why you know I love. I love it when you have church. Well, I don't love it when I have for church first in the morning, but I do when we have a song that has a really low note. And I'm singing in the choir because if it's first thing in the morning, I can hit the note. Yeah, but the majority of the time in church, you sing melody, uh, which typically has the higher register, unless you know parts and then, of course, sing parts. And so then you get to that point in the song where you have to go. Yeah, yeah I'm one of those annoying people that every verse sing it. I sing a different part. Yeah. I'll start with I'll start with the bass part then I'll sing the melody and then I'll sing the tenor part and maybe i'll sing the alto part but usually that's the most boring part <laughs> sure sure but but like if i'm just not feeling it but i really want to participate i sing alto yeah just so you can just yeah, sing like yeah. two or three notes that's yeah yeah it. yeah 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 what's new with you sir anything uh fun fascinating exciting well i got hearing aids okay i went in I I I noticed some clarity issues on my left side especially mm -hmm. over the last year and I'm sure some of it had come from the loud rock music I used to play and the mm -hmm. uh, venues I used to run and things like that. But um, uh, but yeah, I went into audiologist and and she said because I thought oh, I'll just get a baseline because if it's going bad now, it'll probably get worse later. Sure, sure. She's like it's worse now. <laughs> <laughs> so I've so, got them. You can't see them very yeah, well. Yeah, no, we can't see them at all, especially Zoom. Uh, or yeah. I'm sorry, yeah, Zoom. But uh, those that are Patreon saints are like, oh, they're trying to eyeball it. Yep. Trying to well, look at it. The podcast people can't see it at all. But if you no, want to no. see my hearing aid that I just showed, you can <laughs> see it as a reason to be a Patreon saint. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, no, I don't see it. Now, let me ask you, because I, so I'm supposed to wear a hearing aid in my right ear. The low tones in my right ear are mostly gone. It's because I oh, ruptured really? an eardrum. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So when you don't have an eardrum, the sound can't reverberate. So you just sort of lose a lot of it. But there's still enough that I can hear. Uh, but there were a few things for me that I just couldn't get past. The first of them being, um, I felt like I was too young to have uh, a hearing aid. And so I put a lot of like shame and judgment on myself about it. The second thing was, because I wear headphones a lot. Do you experience any sort of feedback or high-pitched anything or whatever with your no, not nope, really. Nothing. I have to wear my headphones different though because the hearing aid is picking it up in a different place. So mm -hmm, it's mm -hmm. I'm always moving them around to get so I can hear it right. So my uh, my grandpa would say, "You're falling apart, Andrew." That's what he used to say. Whenever I am, <laughs> I am falling apart. I'm old 
And mm-hmm. I think that's why I've I've experienced the fact that I'm old for a few years now. So I didn't it didn't bother me that I had to get them. <laughs> probably would have a, five years ago. It probably would have bothered me. But mm-hmm. something about the last few years, I my wife constantly says you're an old man because I go to bed at like nine, mm-hmm. and get up at like six. <laughs> you're constantly going out on the front porch and yelling, yelling at, the, at people yeah. to get off your lawn. That's right. You're that, reading that the newspaper, which no one reads anymore. So that's a, yeah. I, I have to drive around looking for a newspaper. <laughs> no, <I'm just> kidding. <laughs> Stealing them off of you know, surprisingly, other people's lawns, which that's is right. odd. Yeah. Chasing down the paper boy. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> the paper boy that's not allowed to be a boy anymore. That's At right. least here in Utah, you have to be an adult. You can't be. There are few paper boys person. left in the United States. In fact, I in my book, I I talk about that. In I, your book, what? What's it called? Tales of a Paper Boy, a oh, Christmas story. Yeah, I had yeah. no idea that there was a connection. There. Yeah, we haven't ever mentioned that. <laughs> no, but I mentioned that in the book because I'm telling a story about a paper boy in a modern time. So I have to justify it because it's it's there's really no paper boys left in Utah. And yeah. yet it ha- my book happens in 2019. So I had to kind of create a, a reason why there's still a paper boy. Mm-hmm. And, and he the paper boy is... At the end of the book, spoiler, the his paper route is dissolved and moved into the more modern yeah, terms. I, 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 I think you really should have kept that to yourself. Yeah, that one, it doesn't have any bearing on the story no. of the book itself. But, you know, just so okay. you know, that does happen. Okay. And I, okay. I did that mostly to because I wanted to tell the story of the paper boy in a modern time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I didn't want to. And I, I wanted to justify a, a legitimate reason why there might still be. So a post-apocalyptic paper boy, <laughs> when the only way we can get news is from the newspaper. But across the country, I looked it up. There are few paper boys left. Hmm. Uh, people obviously paper hearing you will want, will want to know a quick update on how your health is. Uh, aside from your ear holes, how are you feeling? I'm feeling really good. Mm-hmm. I um, I did something else that was great this week. It sucks for me, but it's great. Mm-hmm. I went back to the gym. Okay. Okay. Zumba, time. Zumba, water aerobics. What did we do? Orange Theory. I'm I'm a member of Orange Theory. Okay. And uh, you know, it's interval training. And um I here's here's all I did on Thursday when I did it. I did my best to just stay barely doing what they asked me to do for the length of time they asked me to do it. Mm-hmm. So while everyone else is running and everything else on the treadmill, I I had it pretty much locked at three on the speed good for you and and then i would change the elevation slightly as i could do it and but by the end i was pretty much three on the speed three on the elevation and i didn't care i'm like i'm just gonna keep moving until the end because <laughs> you know it's been a while since i've done sure. anything like that how do you so, feel well i felt sore but i felt really good i feel really good i had been since the surgery i've been walking a lot i've been mm-hmm. doing so i've been about three miles a day so i'll still keep doing that monday wednesday and fridays but tuesdays and thursdays i'm gonna go to orange theory yeah they're gym days baby yep and then you- saturdays and this morning i did at 6 a.m because i'm old and i was awake at 5 <laughs> except for you know the mornings when you sure. wanted to do a article sure, sure, news sure, a few sure. days ago then i sure. slept in till yeah, of nine, course, nine. of course, except for but, the times um, I needed you, but yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah. but uh, I got up and um, rode my bike for, uh, I went five miles. It's not, no hills or anything. So Jeez, five good miles, for you. Hills. Jeez. Yeah. So Saturdays will be a bike ride day every week, every Saturday. And then uh, 
Monday, Wednesday, Friday, my my dog will love the fact that we get to go out and go for about a three mile walk. Do you notice walk. uh completely aside from like physical um things, do you come do you notice like an emotional or like a yes. mental? Well, my wife has noticed that as shift? well because especially getting up to the surgery, I was I was having a lot of anxiety. Sure. Partly because of the surgery, partly because of the life change, and partly because of the 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 um morning of the loss of my previous um food you know i mean because you've got to go through that morning a little bit sure you, sure you can't i thought you meant the, the morning you... m-o-r-n-i-n-g and i'm like i'm trying no, to connect this here morning I'm my morning. ability to eat whatever the crap i want to whenever the crap i want to you right. know that right. i knew that was coming and i'd already experienced it because to, i had to lose the weight for the surgery and so i was kind of in a state of anxiety beforehand and i was i was struggling she has noticed and and because she has noticed i have noticed my mood has greatly increased. <laughs> I am less anxious and I'm less depressed. I I never was very depressed, but you just feel that overall thing as you're kind of coming up to it. It's a big deal to make this decision to do the sure. surgery. Sure. And I knew if I did it, I, it needed to be, I wasn't going to do it and then squander this opportunity. So mm. it meant a full life change. So, Well, uh, I should mention a thing or two uh, real quick. We have a new Patreon saint, and I got to meet her in person. Stacy Burrow is her name, and a nicer lady you could not meet. I'll actually share the picture uh, probably today or tomorrow in and on our Instagram, maybe on our Facebook as well. Uh, she was at a wedding that I was DJing and came up and said, you are Richie. Thank you for what you do. I'm your latest Patreon saint. And I double-checked because I wanted to make sure she was the latest one, and she is. And uh, and just super thankful for her doing that. And so she can see my hearing aids. Yeah, so she can see your hearing aids. Uh, so huge shout out to Stacy Burrow for what she's doing. If you want to become a patron saint, you can go to patreon.com forward slash the cultural hall. Also, uh, my wife got her Christmas gift. Oh, what's that? We got her a she shed. And I apparently, I apparently have to be very specific that it is a shed for my wife and not for me. I put a, a post out on social media and I was like, hey, we got a shed and people instantly thought it was your new studio. No, no, no. Right. Just needed to know if it was a if it was a studio for me or a she shed. And once I said, oh, it's for my wife, it was she shed the rest of the time. And so I'm I people. What feel is she going to do in it? Like yoga or just get away from Richie? It's mainly get away from me. You know, you know how like when you feel you're trapped in the same house. Yeah. Or like being around each other you just is not going to do your situation any good. She yep. won't put anything in there. There won't be electricity or heat or anything like that. But it's just a place that she can go. It locks from the inside. <laughs> I can't get in. And she'll be able to go out. No, she's doing uh, artwork and, and some woodwork and all that stuff. And she needed a, a space that she felt like she could leave cluttered. Because right now she does most of it in our downstairs family room. And that just wasn't working. So. She likes to, if she has paints, if she's working on a, on something, she wants to leave it out so she yeah. can keep working on it. Yeah. Don't always have to put it away. Yeah, yeah. I see that. That makes and sense. And probably more with like woodworking projects and stuff like that. But definitely, definitely. No worries. Also, I'm coming to visit you. Well, well I'm coming to visit Utah and I would like to visit you if we can make that happen. Well, I, uh, I, when is it? It's the 31st to the 6th. I'll be so there. January? 
And I'll be in Salt Lake probably on the second on Groundhog's Day. Okay. Well, I'm going to be gone the 30th through the 7th, so it's just not going to work. Sorry. <laughs> even if you get, well, I guess, even I guess if you're that's flying Southwest happen. and you get stuck here, I'll, uh, I'll um, that's not going to. Well, I will be flying Southwest because mm-hmm. I had the reason I'm coming is because I had vouchers mm-hmm. that are going to expire, and I'm mm-hmm. like, might as well come visit my mom and do some other things and oh, so, so mom first got it cool okay mom first yeah, yeah sure well i would i it would be you first but you're gonna be gone apparently okay i'll be here i'll be here now can i see you before your mom yes has your mom seen you since the surgery uh just barely after the surgery so okay. she was here for thanksgiving three days after my surgery okay so she's gonna so see she's a huge it. transformation hopefully yeah hopefully yeah. Yeah. yeah hopefully she'll see it but yeah there is quite a transformation in a sense since since surgery, I've lost forty five pounds, fifty pounds. Oh, wow! Yeah, completely Camera. different life. Yeah, it's quite a bit different. And ninety something over since I started the process back in April. So, do you have so, a celebration for when you hit the century mark? Uh, I want to have a celebration when I get under three hundred pounds. Mm-hmm. That will be this. Yeah, that'll be the century. Right? So, yeah, I think so. We'll probably figure something out. We can go out to eat anywhere I want to because I can only eat. <laughs> This amount of it. You just, you're fighting for nibbles off of my plate. Tell you what, tell you what I'll do when you hit 300 or under 300, I guess I should say, I'm going to send you out, send you out a little can of the really expensive bone broth. Oh, cool. Cause that'll be about as much as you can eat. <laughs> That's my gift to you. You let me know. I'll send it. Perfect. I'll Amazon totally will bring take it. it over. I'll totally take it. It's actually really good. Let's, uh, let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to do some actual articles of news. Imagine running a small business today. It's challenging. Imaging and internet presence is an absolute must. Even with that, you're still a small star in a bright cyber universe. Now, imagine you have someone who understands how to get your site designed for your talents and then easily searched by potential clients. Imagine Lennon Design. Whether it's strictly a website or a whole package of logo creation, advertising media, and promotional materials, Lennon Design is your partner in business. They'll test the boundaries of their imagination to create something unique for you. When you need creative, affordable design, let it be Lennon Design. Call 801-699-3022 or visit LennonDesign.com. Here in the second block of Articles of News, we shall do actual Articles of News. Hit it, Peter. You can't lose Articles of News. And away we go. Let me tell you uh, just a couple quick things. Uh, Upcoming episode with uh, Russ Brunson, Russell Brunson. That's a a big name to some folks and a previous guest here in the cultural hall. He's got a new project that's coming out that's super cool. So you're going to hear he and I just nerd out about this uh, new project. He alluded to it when we had him on. Uh, You can find that old episode, Russell Brunson. He he works a lot in uh, in the marketing funnel space. Does a conference called Funnel Hackers. Great guy. Went to high school with him. And uh, he's got a cool new project that that's going to be a future episode coming up and, and more news than you can shake a stick at uh, hit it, Peter. And away we go. Uh, lots of news, lots of things that we have not mentioned. I found this first one to be fascinating. Uh, the History Channel has done a uh, um, an episode about 10 things you didn't know about the Mormons. And uh, this came out, I think, just the other day. It's a series that they do on history. And so it could be like, you know, it's, I don't think it's all religious based. I think we just happen to be the object of this um, particular episode. 
and and it was fascinating the things that was so there what, any of them that you didn't know well i'm getting there so what they do is they ask essentially questions of people in different communities they go did do you know like the first one did you know that joseph smith was a scryer which is a fancy word for treasure hunter right so that's one of them uh did you know the book of mormon say that the indians were jewish that's another one. Do you know, uh, did you know that? Well, some uh, Indians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, sure, sure. Did you know that uh, the Masonic rites were inspiring, or inspiring to the LDS temple rites? That's another one. That Mormons were targets of genocide. Another one. That uh, Mormons tried to uh, and agreed to leave the United States. I think that's an interesting context that I certainly knew. That was a thing I knew. But it's a context of, oh, yeah, we didn't just say, hey, we'll go west, leave us alone. We were like, let's, we're leaving the United States. Um, the troops were sent to the Mormons in Utah, Mountain Meadows Massacre. Now, here's the two that, that maybe I didn't necessarily know. But they're, they're, they're also, it's things that I'm, I'm sure that as they were trying to bring this into a modern day kind of context, that, that this is where a couple of those are. So, uh, shout out also to previous guest pra Patrick Mason, who is kind of their historian guy throughout the, the particular episode. Uh, one is that in the late 1800s, so the late 19th century, uh, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints owned brothels, which is an interesting thing. They actually owned the brothels themselves. And the reason why is as politicians would use and uh, and participate in at the brothels. The church leadership would use the information gathered about who used the brothels against politicians so that they would sort of fall in line with what we wanted. I thought that was kind of fascinating. I had heard something along those lines years ago, but that I you probably gave me more context than I than I did, you know, I but I heard heard that they had. Yeah. And then the last one is uh that the funding of Las Vegas, that is Las Vegas, Nevada, uh, was funded by and large through uh, a banker out of Ogden who ended up in Nevada. Who Who's had that banker? There. What's that? Who's that banker? Uh, I don't know. I just wonder if it's one of the big Ogden names. Yeah, yeah, probably. It probably is. But he lived in Nevada, but he was from Ogden. And so a lot of these like mobsters that kind of founded a lot of the, the places in Vegas tried to launder their money. They laundered it through a Mormon bank. So, Perfect. So there are, Perfect. Some, there are some things that I said, hey, I didn't know that just like the name of this series is. But you can check it out. You can watch. But the they didn't series. have things like Utah Mormons eat more jello than anyone no, else. No, no, no. It's not. Um, it's, it was fast. actually like it was like researched and you know oh. firmly based in things that they could you know and they could actually prove and sure. you know yeah that's too bad because it's more fun when you make stuff up well sure i don't know that they were going for fun i think they were going a little bit more historical and or things that you didn't know so uh tell me what else uh what do you have story-wise well so i think this is something we both uh could talk about a little bit more but there there's a you know the, the church has sent out all these nativity photos mm -hmm. during the Christmas season. They've mm -hmm. done it other years as well. But one of them is, I'll just say it this way, is based on um, uh, an older photo from the 1650s by an Italian master, Carlo Murata. But the 
the photo that they sent out, the church photo out, has some significantly altered it. And and it's it's altered in two significant ways. In the original photo, there are angels in the form of like baby looking angels. So cherubs and cherubs, yeah. Thank good you. good word for it. Um yeah. cherubs um around um the Virgin Mary. Mm-hmm. And she in the original one, she has just a very slight a bit of cleavage showing. And so the church has edited both of those things out. Both the cher- the cherubs are gone, and they they photoshopped, uh, uh, I guess, uh, just a more modest version of her neckline on onto the Virgin Mary. Mm-hmm. And this has caused a, quite a bit of controversy, especially amongst newspaper reporters across the country. A lot of the reporters are definitely criticizing, and I totally get uh, and understand why it would be criticized. Why would you take why would you take a uh, an art piece of artwork from the 1650s, not commissioned by you or anything like that, and mm-hmm. and drastically altered? And I think the uh, online I've seen people say, well, there's so many, there's several different versions by Carlo Carlo Matta, and the in some of them the cleavage isn't showing, some of them some of them are. Sure, those are the people well, that then, are trying to be like, no, that's not what we did. I swear, look, no, uh, what? Yeah, yeah. But truthfully, if that's the case, then use that one that you if you like it better. But then you still, you in all of them, they still have the chair. But like, what was, like, I, it just bothers me. Mm-hmm. If you don't like it, commission something new that you do like. Sure. Have someone do it. But don't alter an old, old, I, it just bothers me that they would alter that. Well, the thing that has been fascinating to me is I think, did they think that no one would notice? It is a famous yeah. work of art. It's not like, you know. They just, they, you know, they found a thing or commit. Yeah. It's, just, it, it blows my mind that we, some of the stuff that we're like, you know, this will be fine. What possibly could go and, wrong? And truthfully, look at the original one. Like, if you are looking at that and go, I see that cleavage and that's concerning for me, maybe you have the problem. Sure. Sure. <laughs> because, because, yeah. I mean, it's, it's not sexualized at all. There's nothing about it that is like, gonna turn you on it's just it's just a normal mother holding her baby and yes you see a little cleavage but i see about that same amount of cleavage at church on sunday and many Mm -hmm. places and you wouldn't think anything of it you wouldn't you wouldn't it's just and if you do think something of it i think you're the one with the problem yeah you know the other thing that i think is, is kind of fascinating about it is so so let me advocate for the devil in this okay. scenario if i may so if you saw uh, a picture like that and again I, I i don't think any claim i've sort of racked my brain to think in what way i would ever think that altering you know an artist thing like maybe for parody's sake but that's not what they're doing right um but but if the church shared uh, a picture with um the amount of cleavage that uh, that was in that particular, you know, depiction of Mary. Are are there some people that look at that and go, "Oh, so that's more appropriate." We can th- this this is the seeds for justification of how I can, you know, share my decolletage or not, right? Do and to your point, it's not very much, but but there is there, I guess, is my question. That group of people that look for anything that the church has done to be critical, sure. But is there also that group of people that look for anything that the church does as sort of like a symbol or signifier of like 
this is changing, so this is okay. Where this wouldn't be before, because garments would likely cover the cleavage that you see in that picture. I, I don't know. I, it just doesn't seem... It just seems no justification at all, no matter what devil's advocate you put yeah. up. There, there's nothing that convinced me to change that at all. And yes, I think that there are people who look for reasons to justify things, but this isn't going to help that situation. Yeah. You help that situation by teaching them and teaching them correct doctrine and helping them understand what it is, not by making these kind of weird changes and stuff. And then they also soft made it so the the focus of the picture so soft that many of the details and the beauty of it just just washed out which is kind of what you do when you censor stuff hmm. you take something that can be beautiful and you you just kind of wash it out with you know and i don't i'm someone who believes in modesty mm -hmm. I, I believe you should be modest but I, I just don't see any reason to do this yeah yeah you can see a picture of it uh in the show notes that are associated with this episode so check that out uh, and let us know your thoughts. Contact at theculturalhall.com. Now, uh, in this news, we're also going to have a temple ticker. Um, and so Corey K. Ward, the pharaoh himself, will in fact be joining us in the third block so we can be able to visit with him. I'll be uh, listening for any new news about the Austin Temple. You, you were, you're listening for it? Is that what you said? I will be listening to okay, Corey okay, for okay. any new news about the Austin okay, Temple. Okay, okay. So yeah, be, I don't know that he be, has a ton. There hasn't been a ton that's happened over no, the holidays, but, but, I but he seems to always be able to pull stuff together and make me go things to, huh, uh, I didn't know I, I didn't know that. Uh, this this I thought was sort of an interesting story. Uh, you know, the, uh, the uh, temple there in the uh, Washington, D.C. area, the District of Columbia, if you will, uh, they, of course, just recently opened the uh, DC temple just this last year had all the open houses, et cetera, et cetera. Well, uh, the gay men's chorus of Washington, DC got to perform at the LDS temple there in Washington, really? DC. Yep. Yep. They invited really? them That's to, huge. That's to awesome. uh, perform at the LDS temple visitor center, which I didn't know that they did like concerts and stuff like that. Um, but they, cause I know like at, uh, assembly hall on temple square, the tabernacle, obviously conference center, but I didn't realize that there was a space for performance at the DC temple visitor center. Um, the, these, uh, gentlemen of the gay men's course of the Washington DC, and yes, you have to say the Washington DC, uh, uh, appeared and uh, performed. And there's... I wonder if it, if it followed along with the whole signing of the marriage bill. Could be. Just, yeah. Yeah. Could that be. Help with that. But. But how awesome is that? That that they they they're called the Gay Men's Chorus, sure, and they're and they're singing at the visitor center of the temple. I think that's I also, a great thing. I also have curiosity as to what they sang because the whole front row in this picture, and this is not a joke, are wearing you know like those old uh, onesie sort of like uh, pajamas that have the 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 flap in the back so you don't have to take your pajamas off to go to the bathroom. Yeah, the, the the I always wanted a pair of those. Yeah, me too. They're like they're the whole front row wear. is wearing that and cowboy hats. So I gotta know, hmm, I gotta know what song they needed that costume for. I would be curious. I saw about. Mama kissing Santa Claus. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't think so. Maybe, maybe, maybe Grandma got ran over by a reindeer because they're maybe they're sort of cowboy ish. I suppose there were some old silly Christmas songs. It seems like there was see. 
Um, oh, I can't even think of them from choir. There's always some silly choir Christmas song that you could sing in pajamas with cowboy hats. <laughs> okay. I'm trying, I'm racking my brain. I know a Christmas song, uh, but I, I can't think of anything that would re, re, rock and roll. Santa Claus Christmas. was one. I remember you could sing that one. Rock and roll. Yeah. Yeah. Rock but and you're, roll in Santa. A, you're in a cowboy hat and pajamas. I'm looking for the very obvious, like yeah, up on the housetop. Maybe, maybe. But, yeah. but uh yeah I'm not uh, I'm not quite sure what that song would be. What stories do you have sir? There's obviously a, a horrible there's a couple of really bad well, stories. I can let we'll you do to. the horrible Utah man yeah. killing yeah. story. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, you yeah, say yeah, that yeah. for uh, a little We'll while. give a we'll give a uh, warning on all that. Let's do a positive one for a minute. So okay. there's this um it's, it's called the Magic Yarn Project. Okay. That um it's not necessarily associated with the church, but what they do is they um, they 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 make yarn-based wigs for kids with cancer. So as they lose their hair, mm-hmm. the the wigs, the classic wigs, can be very scratchy and hard for kids to wear, especially uh, especially since they're probably going to grow their hair back. So during that time, this project makes soft yarn head coverings out of out of yarn. And they're they do it they do normal ones but they also do it in the form of like Captain America's head 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 thing or or a princess hair or like Rapunzel you know, can I be Rapunzel you could be Rapunzel if you want to yes there's a ton of them if you go to their website to see the ones that I, I see are you know I see Captain America I see Belle I see Rapunzel I see Captain Jack Sparrow so there's all these cool um hats and wigs and other things they they give so they can cover their head keep them warm and have something so they can feel a little normal or pretty cool mm-hmm. well this uh, this magic yarn project um was was seen by D- Diane Ferreri of um the bay is and she's in the bay bay area she's of the Saratoga California stake okay and she happens to be the just serve specialist so um and anyway so she um she coordinated a huge um project and they put it out on just serve and they had a, a major turnout in the area and i i'm trying to remember the numbers but they uh 35 to 45 volunteers to tears to set up and they had more than 100 people show up to actually work on these to do this so so this was big project and i just thought it was a cool shout out it's 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 a reminder that just serve exists just sure. serve is a great way to do that and you can find things in your community you can find things on just serve or you can do what she did and bring something to the attention of just serve and then they put it on just serve and a lot of people just showed up to to do it so they, they had a very big activity they held it in the 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 stake center of the Saratoga, California stake on October 8th. So this was a few months ago, but I just thought it was a really cool story to bring to the, to to the attention. One of the things that I find most fascinating about uh, the just surf it's just serve.org is the ability to be able to just go and put in your zip code, like you mentioned. And then there are all sorts of uh, like one-time things like you mentioned, or like you can sign up for a, this is me every week or every couple of days, or I think probably in some instances every day. And so if you're looking for something where you're like, ah, you know, maybe I'm in a new, uh, I'm in a rut. I need to do something new for the new year. 
whatever the thing could be, you can just uh, go to justserve.org and then put it in and 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 get to know some pretty cool organizations that are in your area, in your neighborhood, and just be able to start uh, meeting those different people or or filling those different needs. So totally, I, I, and you you just serve is great, but also remember that it doesn't have to be a big service project. Service can be simply taking uh, going and talking to your neighbor who may be lonely or just talking to your neighbor for any reason you know what i mean mm -hmm. so service can um can the, the idea of service can can be broadened but one of the ways to do that if you're if you're struggling with how do i serve my is my 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 neighbors and my community just serve is a great opportunity to go in and just find opportunities to go i saw one where you we during christmas Two years ago, where someone from my war, our ward, we went in and sang Christmas carols to all, a lot of people at a rest a rest home. This is a great way to find that kind of thing. Yeah, and especially tailored to whatever you would like to do, right? How you want to show up, how you want to participate. Uh, let us give this sort of uh, warning. the The next oh, a few minutes, they're going to be dedicated to uh, a couple pretty terrible stories. So if you've got uh, the young ears. Maybe you uh, you've heard all about it and you just need to skip past this. Whatever that warning may be, this is that warning. Uh, we no, no sort of judgment for you to skip past it, but we will mention these couple stories because they are uh, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints adjacent. And uh, so now you've been fairly warned. All right. So uh, the first story is uh, out of, I want to say, Sandy, Utah. This is, um, and we shared this story when it originally happened um, on July 31st. Uh, Zachary Wallen, a man, 32, of Sandy, Utah, was charged uh, with a third-degree felony of voyeurism uh, against a child under the age of 14. So he was at a, uh, a church house, actually a church house I went to when I was growing up, uh, in the bathroom and started um, videoing the 12-year-old boy using the urinal next to him there in the church bathroom. Uh, he was arrested. He said that he admitted, admitted, quote, he had a moment of weakness. Um, Mr. Wallen then spoke with his father while in police custody and, said it, and stated that he was the one that took those pictures. Uh, he was convicted uh, back in 2015 of sexual exploitation of a minor, which is a second-degree felony. Uh, he was ordered to serve 200 days back then in Cache County, uh, followed by three years of probation, which he successfully completed in 2018, according to court records. Because of his conviction, Wallen is required to register now with the Utah Sex Offender and Kidnap Registry, which is good. It is good that that is uh, going to be the registry that he'll be on. Uh, the other warning, of course, you know, and I don't know at what age, because I feel like we all do this with little kids, right? You don't let your little kids go into the bathroom themselves. But, I mean, this kid's 12, and and this guy, you know, did, anyway, uh, uh, maybe just a quick uh, a thought, a reminder, you know, when your kids need to use the restroom, and it's easier that we just send them without going with them. Maybe we take that that extra step and and get up and go with them to make sure that everything's okay. Yeah, I don't know what age is appropriate to send them alone, but man, it's just it sucks that we have to even consider that a twelve year old boy can't go use the urinal by themselves without having this kind of thing happen. 
Yeah. And the connection, of course, because there will be people that are like, why do you have to share that? Well, it happened in an LDS church house and uh, Mr. Wallen was a, uh, a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day well, Saints. I'm at least glad he wasn't like the young men's leader or something yeah, like that. Yeah, but, right. But I we mean, have heard those stories too, right? So that it, it really highlights why we really need background checks for things. Agreed. Agreed. And I think that change will come at least in Utah here in this next legislative session. And it should be everywhere. But, you know, uh, this is this is the horrible story of um, the last little while. Just just terrible in every single way. Um, and, and I'm going to have a question. I'm just kidding. A, what's that? <laughs> I said, I'm going to be like Gonzo at the end of Christmas Carol. I'm just going to leave while they you talk leave. about it. No, yeah, I'm just perfect. kidding. I'm just kidding uh, so this happened in Enoch, Utah, which if people don't know kind of where that is, it's Southern Utah. Certainly it's just outside of Cedar city, which if you don't know where that is, uh, it's about 45 minutes North of, uh, St. George which, if you don't know where that is, it's about two and a half hours north of Las Vegas or about three hours south of Salt Lake City. So kind of there in the in the middle of the south of Utah. Uh, a Utah insurance man uh, killed his wife, their five children, and his mother-in-law. Gentleman by the name of Michael Haight was the, the, the man who did this. And then he turned the gun on himself. Now, before we go any further, uh, I I would to mention that if you or a loved one is experiencing any sort of suicidal thoughts or actions, to please contact the National Suicide Hotline at 1-800-273-TALK. That's 8255. Um, so make that available to you. Um, the family was very well known in the town of Enoch, which is small, very small town. I think 8,800 in the town and were active in uh, the church community. Uh, had both um, Michael and his wife that I believe you pronounce Tasha. It's sort of that Utah spelling of things. T-A-U-S-H-A, Tasha, I'm pretty sure. Uh, active in their ward, uh, all of the things. They have lots of pictures that the media have been sharing of them um, in the old, uh, what did we call that room in the North Visitor Center at Temple Square that had the Christus? The uh, rotunda. No, yeah, no, it wasn't the rotunda. Although it was a rotunda, it was you know you walk up to the top of the stairs. I want to yeah. say like generation room or like uh, millennial like room. Millennial. The, the you know it had the thing on the walls and then the Christmas at the center where you. I don't remember. Right. So there's a picture of them there. There's a picture of them in front of the temple, and and apparently the reason the the motive for Michael to uh to kill his entire family and then turned the gun on himself is that his wife had filed for divorce back on the 21st of December. So, uh, you know, for, for all intents and purposes, this was a, uh, a family that, that appeared to be that family in the ward, right? Super loving, super kind. I'm um, looking at the picture right now and they just look like a family who could be in my ward, who I would have known for years and just, loved in the ward mm -hmm. one thing about i was reading about it is that he has had a significant his his father killed himself mm -hmm. and and since then he has i guess changed which led to the divorce and so it sounds like there was some mental illness stuff going on and it's mm -hmm. it i think it's it's a sad thing in this life that sometimes mental illness gets the stigma it has so so, so he may not have got the help he needed 
which now has led to this kind of tragedy. And it 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 is a tragedy. It's it's awful. The family eventually found because of a welfare check, people were noticing, hey, the kids weren't in school, that uh, there was an appointment missed by Tasha. And so they sent the police over and that's when they found um, mm. everything to be as it was. Now, now uh, a couple of things. So his name is Michael Haight. And I don't know that anyone has taken the connection. I don't know that it that it matters necessarily, but my mind does go here. What I don't know is if they're related at all to the David B. Hate. David B. Hate, the former apostle, uh, now deceased uh, of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. It would stand to reason that likely they were at least somewhat related. And again, it doesn't matter, but that's that's a, a thought that I have when well, I. Well, it's definitely a common. Utah name and the family that goes back quite a ways. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then the other thing is, uh, so so I went to college in Cedar City. So this would have been just like eight miles uh, north of where I went. And so a couple of my friends um, from college, really dear friends, uh, in fact, one in particular, like lived in in these folks' ward, huh. and, and posted about it the other day. And you know, take your feelings about that, however you will. But uh, but said. Yeah, I would have never in a million years seen something like this coming. Even, you know, even as they learned of the divorce, were, were surprised that that is what was coming down the pipeline. And, That's often the case, right? Yeah. And, and like this one friend of mine in particular, like it's, you know, the, the, their youngest kid played with their youngest kid. The, you know, there was a set of twins in, in the hate family and my friend has a set of twins. And so they, you know, they would often, uh, you know, be compassionate towards each other and be like, oh, mothers of twins. Am I right? Like all of these, these connections that are just now gone overnight gone because uh, of this, uh, this horrible, terrible, awful, gross tragedy um it's you know the, the christie's family's from delta and they have some loose ties to it i mean it's amazing how how far out the ripples go sure. for something like this yeah. sure well uh our time has expired mr mayor i'm gonna allow you to uh stick around just a little bit longer. on the back row oh i don't no, have to do that no we're gonna allow you to stick around just a little bit longer to be able to do your hear him and then uh we'll chat with you again soon Keep uh, keep it up at the gym. Remember, swole is your goal and size is your prize, my friend. There you go. You got Being this. sore is probably something I can wear as a badge of honor. Yes, <laughs> yes. You know what sweat is, don't you? That's right. It's, it's, it's all on my shirt this morning. It's just weakness leaving your body. That's what oh, it is. Is that what it is? Yeah, it's all those <laughs> gym things. Uh, great, great to see you, sir. Thanks for being here. Thank you. See you. The Modern LDS Hymn Book is a beautiful compilation of hymns. It is the the hymnal I have known for most of my life and has served me well, but it isn't without flaws. I'm not talking about specific hymns themselves being some subpar. I am referring to the fact that the LDS hymn book uses a mixture of first lines and ac actual song titles, which creates confusion. Some songs in the hymn book use the first line rule and others are listed by their title. Many classic hymn books organized their first line their songs by first lines instead of titles. How Firm a Foundation follows the first line rule, but Put Your Shoulder to the Wheel does not. The lack of consistency can be confusing, leading to a modern thinking that the first lines are the titles, which is not always the case. For instance, 
The hymn, We Thank Thee, O God, for a Prophet, is called that only because that is the first line. And maybe it was always intended to be so, but I don't think so. I think that's true. The hymn is often used to express gratitude that the Lord speaks to his children through prophets. Unfortunately, I couldn't find any, anything indicating if the text writer, William Fowler, intended the poem's first line to be the title. The musical setting, however, definitely was explicitly written for the text. The composer, Caroline Sheridan Norton, called the tune Fowler after the poem's author. All of this annoys me because the first line has become the title of this song, and I fear we miss the hymn's complete meaning. Reread the lyrics, and you will find the hymn is really about the gratitude to the Lord for many things, only one of which is that he calls prophets. If we were to choose a line to serve as a title for this hymn, it would be the second verse, or at least in my opinion, we'll, the second verse, we'll sing of his goodness and mercy. This line reflects the overall idea much better. It's really not about prophets. Another problem is that modern congregations rarely use the hymn book like classical hymns were intended. A hymnal is organized with text and tunes. Many texts have a meter that multiple tunes can use. If, that, if the meter matches, the text with one tune can be swapped with another text that uses the same meter. Michael F. Moody um, in the Latter-day Saint hymn book, Then and Now, said, The Latter-day Saints have felt a need for new texts expressing their unique doctrines and beliefs, but they sang these texts to borrowed tunes they had learned as members of other churches. In in, In those days, most hymn books included words only, with no music. Close quote. Many members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints feel the hymn book has an inspi- is an inspired comp- compilation, and I agree with that. However, some people feel that because it's an inspired compilation, that means that we cannot switch those tunes with, the, with different texts, and it's wrong to decouple them from the way they're established in the current hymn book. Instead, the the book gives instructions on swapping tunes and text if they have matching meters. So it's it's false if you believe that you shouldn't swap them out. For example, the text "Rejoice the Lord is King," hymn number sixty six, is often sung with the tune Darwall because that's what's in the hymn book. But the musical setting, it's the musical setting is also uh, the of Darwall is also a setting for Arise, O God, and Shine, hymn number 265. These two are interchangeable, so you can sing one or the other with the the tune that is with the other one. The last problem I see is that some hymns, tunes, and texts, which used to be in our hymn book, are no longer there and have been replaced by others in the modern hymn book. Because they are not in the modern hymn book, they become obscure. Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing is one of those hymns. This hymn was in the previous versions of the LDS hymn book, but did not make it into the current publication. Fortunately, modern arrangers, including Max Wilberg, director of the Tabernacle Choir at Temple Square, have resurrected this beloved hymn for modern audiences. The Tabernacle Choir closed its April 2016 General Conference performance with Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. When the session was over, inquiries about the video poured in. Even more interesting was that the hymn was left out of the newest editions of of hymns, which was published in 1985. So why was it left out? 
We may never know. However, I do not envy those who had the, 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 the had to choose one beloved hymn over another. At least in my opinion, other glaring omissions are Amazing Grace, It Is Well With My Soul, and What a Friend I Have in Jesus. What a Friend I Have in Jesus did not make it into the current book, but the tune typically sung with it did. You may recognize it as hymn number seven, Israel, Israel, God is Calling, which by itself is one of my favorite hymns as well. I'm not sure if this text has ever been one of the official been one in the official LDS hymnal, but I wonder if the reason is the first line sounds a little casual, and I'm talking about what a friend I have in Jesus. And if if we judge the hymn only on its first line, you may miss the pure, this pure Christian gem. Like we thank the O God for Prophet, the hymn, What a Friend I Have in Jesus, may not be the optimal title. A better title might be, Take It to the Lord in Prayer. Or better yet, the name of the poem was published under Pray Without Ceasing. The writer of the text, Joseph Scriven, had a life filled with heartache. When he traveled to meet his sweetheart the day before their wedding, he discovered his betrothed lying underwater in a creek bed after falling from her horse. After moving to Canada, he fell in love again, only to lose his new love to pneumonia just weeks before they were married. About a year later, he wrote this poem in a letter to his mother. He expressed in verse the relationship he had developed with the Savior because of his trials. What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peaceful peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. The message of this hymn that we should take everything, all of our pain, sorrow, temptation, and discouragement to the Lord in prayer is of great importance. Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Can we find a friend so faithful who we all our sorrows share? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. A while ago, I was feeling low, even depressed, and it seemed like I was facing more trials than I thought I could bear, many of which were of the results of my own choices. I felt weak, humbled, not the good kind, the compelled-to-be-humbled kind, and I felt that I would be required to carry on the load all by myself. I knew that I needed to kneel and talk to the Lord about what I was going through, but I put myself on a stake to be burned, for I was the one who had made the decisions that brought such heartache. Are we weak and heavy laden, cumbered with a load of care? Precious Savior, Savior, still our refuge. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Do thy friends despise, forsake thee? Take it to the Lord in prayer. In his arms he'll take and shield thee. Thou wilt find a solace there. Finally, I knelt and called out to my friend, my God. As well as I could, I tried to express what I was going through, all the while knowing that he knew what I was experiencing. First, comfort came, and then strength and redemption. Maybe the name, what a friend I have in Jesus, seems too casual, but that is how I feel. What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. 
If you've ever thought about starting a podcast and, well, you just don't know what to do, I would encourage you to reach out to me. Now, I am at Richie T. Stedman on all the social medias. You can find and follow me there. Uh, you can also send me an email, richietstedman at gmail.com, if you'd like to know more about what uh, I do as far as being a podcast coach and consultant. But let me just say this. May I say this? Almost 600 episodes under my belt. I could certainly be able to help you. Now, let me say this as well. I know a lot of you are thinking, well, listen, I yeah, I don't know that I'm ever going to get thousands of followers. Here's the best part about podcasts. Sometimes they can just be for fun. Other times they can be for really small niche audiences and you can make a truck ton of money. We can talk about it, how you could do it if you would like. You can reach out to me at Richie T. Stedman wherever you find me, or certainly if you send me a message at the Cultural Hall, I'll be able to answer it there as well. Have you have you considered starting a podcast? Reach out to me. Hi friends, Dan the Laptop Man here from PC Laptops. Our lifetime service guarantee has become the most trusted warranty in the industry. You can get a brand new PC Laptops desktop computer and they start at only $29 a month. Check us out at PCLaptops.com. Here in the third block of the Cultural Hall, we'll do the temple ticker with the Pharaoh himself, Corey K. Ward. How are you, sir? Doing great. How are you, Richie? I'm well. You know, I have to ask, uh, you got the beard now, uh, you got the crazy hair you haven't even been out of BYU for more than a minute, and already are you are are we questioning? Do I need to send the uh, ministers to your house? Is everything okay? Everything's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't it feel good? I know this is, this will sound so ridiculous, especially to someone who never attended to BYU. But doesn't it just seem so great to just be able to make your own choices about what you look like? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> where, where you're just like, oh no, I don't feel like doing that, and today. I'm not going to do that. Uh, when when do you get your diploma, sir? It comes in the mail. So yeah. I don't, whenever they process it. You know. You know what will be really fun for you. Uh, and spoiler. And and I'm sorry, all, all people enrolled in college. When you uh, get that thing and you're like, oh, I'm going to get a fancy frame and I'm going to put it up at my whatever, right? And you think, oh, man, this is so important. And in two years, you won't even be able to find it. You'll know that you have it. You earned it but you won't be able to find the actual diploma itself at all. Yeah, I got my bachelor's degree last year, and it's just been sitting on my shelf in the envelope. I haven't opened it. <laughs> so. Right. So, uh, so you're ahead of the game. So you know exactly <laughs> what it is. Now I'll have another envelope to have on my shelf. You know what you could do? Want to get crazy? Put them in the same envelope, Corey. Oh. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. If you want to get crazy... <laughs> You want to get wild. Then I have to open it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Then then you don't know which is which. I've literally, and I know this will be different because you're in a different field. I have literally never, ever been asked if I have a college degree in any sort of employment, anything, been asked okay. to prove that I have anything, I had it on a resume of anything. Never. I have never. I mean, and I'm not saying it's not valuable. I'm not, that's not, it's very valuable. Not the paper itself, obviously, but the experiences I have. But I have literally never been asked if I attended college. Yeah, well, I guess I'm starting to learn that right now. <laughs> <laughs> is, is it a sad lesson that you're learning or, or are you happy for this lesson? No, it's mostly just like a given. Like, of course, if you're applying for an engineering job, of course you have a degree. So, so they don't even ask, they just assume? I suppose so, yeah. Okay, well, good. Man, that it's too bad that you had to go through school to figure that out. Then you could have just been like, listen, the assumption was on you, pal, not me. I'm sorry that you would <laughs> you'd never do that. He'd never do that. 
Uh, Corey comes in, talks about anything that's new, late, and great in temples for the church. And uh, and and there's a lot for kind of an off week, at least according to the stuff that you sent me before. So let's take it away. Well, yeah, not a lot of like news, news, breaking news stuff. Um, but I mean, there's a little bit of um, stuff that we can talk about that came out during the break. I think something that you liked was a article that was released in kind of a, a highbrow uh, publication, Art in America. <laughs> the title is Building Mormonism, History and Controversy in the Architecture of the Latter-day Saints. Now, I saw a lot of history, but I didn't see a lot of controversy. I'm hoping you dug in a little bit. Um, good point. I didn't see a lot of controversy either. Yeah. It wasn't too critical. Yeah. It's probably one of those situations where the editor picks the title uh -huh. and the isn't exactly what the author had in mind. Yeah, this will get the clicks and everyone's like, where's the controversy in all this? What sort of stuck out with you uh, in this article? Yeah, he just goes through kind of the history, the whole history of the church and kind of looks at the different phases of temple building and kind of like what um, phase the church was in at the time and how that temple like reflects the history. Like, for example, in Kirtland, mm -hmm. it was the Great Awakening. You were gathering people in Kirtland. You were the priesthood and everything was being restored. And so you kind of see that in that it's just kind of this New England church type feel. Mm -hmm. And then they went to Missouri. And of course, those temples were abandoned altogether. So it's kind of a symbol of what happened in Missouri anyways. And then you arrive to Nauvoo and it's like a city on a hill, a big, um, all the saints gathered and you can see them coming down the river, the big temple that's being built on the hill. And then, of course, we make our way west. And this question just popped into my head. So anyone who knows uh, the Salt Lake Temple will know that kind of on that block, there's that wall around. In my mind, I think I've thought that that wall has always been there and that like we sort of like fortressed up to the Salt Lake Temple. Do you know, is that true or is that sort of a later addition? Um, I think the wall is pretty close to when they were building the temple. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, any anything else as you kind of looked at the history and things that, that that they pointed out? I thought some of the mentions of just like uh, meeting houses, there was some interesting stuff. Yeah, I kind of had a parallel of like during during these temple constructions, there's also notable meeting houses that were constructed. Like during this um, uh, Utah pioneer era temples, they're kind of like the fortress and the refuge and everything, kind of like feeling for pro prophecy and um, seeing that. But then the tabernacles were like places where the community could gather, could have more pride in their architecture, and you could have larger meeting spaces. Mm -hmm. And there and then, are still a lot of those tabernacles that uh, are, still exist and serve at least in, in some communities here in the state of Utah as like town gathering halls, or, you know, it is the, the place where you have your state conferences because it's the only even still big enough building to be able to gather all the saints. Yeah, and the... um. The author kind of uses the the Provo City Center Temple, the Provo former Provo Tabernacle, as a symbol of that. How it was used in the pioneer era as that stake center type, and even up until like the mid uh, early aughts, it was still being used as a place for state conferences until it burned down. Until and Lexi so then... Azevedo burned it down. <laughs> That's right. You can say you can say what it is. <laughs> look it up. Look at the story. It's not completely untrue. It's not completely <laughs> untrue. It wasn't arson, but it was a Lex Azevedo project that uh, started the fire that then ultimately had the the uh, the tabernacle changed to the temple knackle. Uh, right. any, anything yeah. else within that article that you thought is yeah. worth at least highlighting? Well, I mean, just as like the church starts to expand, um, you see like the, the temples like in, in Arizona and Hawaii and Alberta. And um, you're going to see some more like larger meeting houses outside of Utah 
um, that have notable architecture, like the Hollywood Tabernacle in Wilshire, California, or the Ida Falls Fifth Ward, or the D.C. Ward Chapel that was there. But then as the the war, the post-war era starts and um, people start to leave Utah and to California in the east and out migrate out of Utah, you see those big temples like in D.C. or Los Angeles or Oakland and some more chapels that are more closer to like the mid-century modern feel, kind of larger, um, more plain architecture. I like that you give a, a little mention, and I don't think that this church is there anymore, the Golden Toaster up in Logan, anyone who went to Utah State University. And for some reason in the back of my mind, my thought is that they changed it or tore that down. Yeah, they tore They I think there was they wanted to move the chapel somewhere else. Yeah. They wanted yeah. to use that land for the school, and so they decided to land swap it, and it was gone. Oh, uh, anything else? Yeah, he just he talks about how, of course, now we're in a place of standard design. Um, you saw in the 80s, there was kind of those six spire temples. And then in the Hinckley era, you kind of had he calls them like little mini Ritz Carlton hotels. <laughs> <laughs> but there's some notable exceptions in that in those decades, like the San Diego Temple, the Hong Kong sure. Temple, the Vernal Tabernacle being um, switched to a temple, the Copenhagen Meeting House being switched to a temple. And then as you see in the and closer to our time, more notable temples, landmark temples like in Paris, Rome, Philadelphia, Provo City Center. And then uh, the you talk about the applying meeting house standardization and the temples within three hours or less, which is obviously where we're trying to push. And, and some of those just to be more uh, symbolic and maybe even inspirational in some of the areas where people had a temple plenty close, but now they can say we have our own temple. Yeah. And so something interesting is that the author does is kind of like branch off um, from, of course, the Bergamite uh, church. He mm -hmm. talks about the community of Christ in 1994 built a temple that is much different than any of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints temples. Kind of represents that different trajectory they had. They call it like the Peace Temple. Mm -hmm. like, is that the one their... that sort of looks like a, uh, people have said it looks like a conch shell? Yeah, yeah. Peace Shell Temple. Um, uh, and then you mentioned uh, within the show notes here about the Kirtland Temple. I'm excited about this. Yeah. Okay. So this is something I found just on social media. There's an okay. architect um, artist called Benjamin Felix. Uh, he um, he just drew a hypothetical concept if somehow the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints would acquire the Kirtland Temple and convert it into a place that they can host their modern okay. ordinances. Okay. So he uses the kind of the same pro city center uh, renovation type underground, put the baptistry underground um, deep under there. Mm -hmm. um, but he does something interesting where um, he preserves that assembly era uh, area in the main floor of the Kirtland Temple, where, of course, um, that's where like Elijah restored the keys and everything. He uses that area as the celestial room. So instead of having like a celestial room that's like this the nice lobby and everything with couches. It's just like the chapel of the Kirtland Temple. I, I like this. Uh, so I just went to it. It's Benjamin Felix, and you can find a link to this in the show notes. The first part of the comment is, let me be clear. This <laughs> is a hypothetical personal project, not real. I don't want to be responsible for the spread of any false rumors. But over Christmas break, uh, he worked on this fun, yet again, hypothetical. <laughs> concept for turning the Kirtland Ohio temple into a usable temple per the current temple program. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And so the idea was that in the second floor, you'd have the endowment rooms and then you'd go down to the celestial room, which is like that main uh, chapel in the Kirtland temple. And then you put like the ceiling and the initiatory areas in the attic 
where, where that's kind of where like the hall of the prophets stuff happened and the first initiatories and everything you know if i may speak into this because this is we're bordering on a pet peeve of mine served my mission in the cleveland ohio mission and we would hear from uh members of the the reorganized now community of christ all the time about members of our church that is the brighamite church of jesus christ of latter-day saints that would come in and say things like, well, I just don't feel the spirit here. Or, <laughs> well, I hope you guys enjoy this temple until we get it back. Yeah, but, I mean, if you look on the the the, uh, the face of the temple, it says that the temple of the Church of the Latter-day Saints. So, like, you can't say that it's our temple. Right. Like, it was a different church back then. <laughs> the right. name was different and everything. And they're, they're as much the same church as we are. So. Yeah. Not to mention that's just it's tacky and horrible. Don't do that kind of stuff. But people would make comments like that. These sort of, well, enjoy it while you have it till we get it back from you. Well, you know, all this kind of stuff. Here's the deal. Spoiler. And and I mean this. I haven't ever been able to have any sort of like solid proof. So take it for what it is. But let's just walk this out a little bit. Our church has a hundred billion plus dollars. If they wanted... And I mean, really wanted to, they could probably come up with a numerical number that the community of Christ church would be like, yeah, here, take it. <laughs> of course, of course, for a billion dollars, we'll send, sell you this building. The church that is our church, that is the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, gives money to the community of Christ, I think on a yearly basis to make sure that it is constantly well-kept because... They want it to continue into the future. So everyone who goes and is like, oh, yeah, well, enjoy it while you can. Just don't. Just do yourself a huge favor and don't be that person. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I think, I mean, if, the, if if hypothetically the church were to acquire, I would hope they would not drastically do this retrofit. Um, we're going to have a temple in Cleveland already. Like, mm -hmm. I would hope that the church would just take these these uh these plans that benjamin felix drew and this would be the cleveland temple over there in independence oh yeah <laughs> that would be cool a replica kind of because the area uh around cleveland um where the the uh cleveland temple now that they've announced that sort of location it's it's kind of like the kirtland area they could do sort of a, a tribute a nod it's a little less it's a little uh, like Kirtlandy is sort of Rolly Hills and uh, yeah, and where the Cleveland Temple is, is is essentially just suburbs of Cleveland. But that interesting. I'm gonna have to get Benjamin Felix. If anybody knows him, let him know. We want to get him here in the culture. Sure, just, just DM him on Instagram. That's my plan. That's my plan. Um, what else you got? Yeah, another pet peeve of mine that I see on social media um, is that a lot of people sometimes complain about oh, all these temples that are being announced. They're never gonna be built. Mm -hmm. Maybe they're going to be like way delayed in the future or they're just, they're just they're like President Nelson's just grandstanding. Uh -huh. And I, I think this is pretty unfounded. I think people have very low patience of how long it takes to build sure. a building like this. Sure. Um, if you look back in the decades of the history of the church, temples take, sometimes temples take a long time. The temple in Ecuador and, and Colombia took like over 10 years in the 80s. Uh, Salt Lake. Salt Lake itself. <laughs> and so... Um, for all these people that think that oh, all these temples are being announced and they're just for show, like they're they're in the planning stages. They'll happen. It takes you know two two years to go to groundbreaking or so, and uh, two years for construction or more. And so delays happen. And right now, there's only seven temples that have um, been announced for more than two years that don't have a site. Um, but I think there's progress behind the scenes. So, 
Uh, without without looking at your list on those, uh, I would imagine that two of those seven are Russia and um, China. Sorry, that's where most people point to is, oh, these will never be built. But yeah. I've heard rumors behind the scenes that there's things happening that maybe they're not going to be like large um, temples that the church builds itself, but they may be adapted spaces that there's maybe a building already there that the church is going to adapt the interior or whatever. But I think things are happening kind of silently behind the scenes. Uh, and then you have some miscellaneous construction updates. I'd love to. I'd love some miscellaneous temple news. Yeah, just some local news coverage of these temples in Casper, the church. Um, that's uh, Wyoming, if people don't know. That's right. Um, and that I think it's the Casper Tribune. There, they um, church leaders were interviewed. They said that they hope it will be done in 2023. Of course, all these temples are dependent on the supply chain issues and the labor. But they said that the dirt work is finished, that the foundations laid, and all the pods are attached. So it's and kind these of are like, these sort of pre-produced uh, like walls and sections, almost like a modular home that allow temples to be able to be built quicker. That's right. Kind of um, like yeah, building Lego blocks under the foundation. So this is the second temple to have this. The first one was the Helena Montana temple. Which I'm going to. Do you want to come with me to the uh, Helena temple dedication? Oh, maybe. When, when they announce it, I've got family up there. Helena is a cool little town. If I may make the plug for a town that no one asked me to make a plug for, you can go to Glacier nearby, which is awesome. And Helena is just like this little silver mining boom town that never grew up. And it's so cool. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be, that'd be charming. Stuff. Big old Catholic church right up on the hill. You can that, learn yeah. the story about how there was uh, ballot stuffing to make Helena the capital, capital. of Montana. That's a true story. Anyway. Uh, what else? I get I get you so distracted. Sorry. No, you're fine. Uh, you gave me another qu quirky little uh, newscast that just the local news in Grand Junction. They had a story about the temple there. Not really any like news about it. Just like, mm -hmm. hey, look, they're putting up the steel beams now. <laughs> <laughs> and so, slow news week. Slow news week. Slow news week in Grand Junction, I guess. Uh, and then you bring it to to uh, wrap it up in Orem and in Manti, both of those in Utah. Yeah. Um, those temples there, they just put some like covering around the spires so that the workers can do their work there in a little bit warmer weather. Um, but there's been some memes around the internet about the Orem Temple, how it looks like uh, um, something from the Lord of the Rings. I think it's, is it Shiloh? I don't know. I don't know. They like a spider web or something. And so like people were making fun of that the, the Orem Temple looks like Shiloh's lair. Maybe they should make fun of it a little bit less and spend a little more time trying to find the person who's tried to set that building on fire. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, get yourself the reward money and track that person down. I think it's like $10,000 now. They upped it, I saw the other day. Oh, really? Okay. Information. I'm still looking. Okay. Yeah. It wasn't you, was it? I, I would know this, if it was With me. this wild hair and this beard you're growing, I've got questions. Oh, <laughs> uh, shoot. Well, uh, as always, uh, we appreciate the hard work that you put in uh, on getting into the temples, all the temple ticker information. I'm really going to reach out to this Benjamin Felix guy because that just seems like a nerdy conversation. It would make a great episode uh, of the future uh, cultural hall. So going to reach out to him and find out uh, what that's all about. Corey, uh, I hope that this episode has nourished and strengthened your body. I hope that if you're sick or otherwise afflicted, you can uh, be here next time. And when the time comes, you'll be able to travel home in safety. In the meantime, Chris at Alpine Lakes Travel, Rick McGee, Debbie Wanless, and Chocolate Cake Bites Podcast. We'll be saving a seat for you. On the back row.
of the Cultural Hall. Save me a seat, it's sure to be neat. 